You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 464 of Podcateers. This week, we talk about the grand prize for Disney Dreamlight Valley's Parks event. Mel tells us about a musician she found who brings us a great rendition of the iconic 90s X-Men theme and plays a Pirates of the Caribbean medley with Hans Zimmer. Neil Patrick Harris adds a great piece of Haunted Mansion memorabilia to his collection. Disney Plus adds an ASL option. The Make-A-Wish Foundation celebrates another historic moment at the Disneyland Resort. And of course, our Disney History segment, Great Moments with Mr. Andrew, continues with 1959 and 1960. We would love for you to join the conversation on our social networks, including Instagram and Facebook, but we invite you to join us on Discord. Joining the community is super simple. Just head on over to podcateers.com slash links and click on the Discord button to join our community. A very special thank you goes out to an awesome group of people known as the FGP Squad, our podcast, Very Godparents, because it's their support via Patreon that help make these episodes of Podcateers possible. As part of the FGP Squad family, you get some additional perks, like exclusive discount codes for Podcateers gear, additional content that we've uploaded to Patreon, and access to our happy hour calls, just to name a few. For more information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad family, we invite you to check out podcateers.com slash FGP. And as always, a super special thank you goes out to the FGP Squad for their continued support. Okay, it is time to kick off this episode. If this is your first time hanging out with us, welcome. We hope that you enjoy the episode and that you come back for more. And of course, if you've been hanging with us for a while now, welcome back, friends. Here is episode 464 of Podcateers. I need a basketball now. <laughs> Bitch, get, get, get your head in the game. I, I'm working on, it's stuck in my head because I'm working on High School Musical Junior right now at oh, one of my theaters. I was and just about so, to ask you if you've ever done that. <laughs> I'm doing it. This is would be my second time doing it, um, High School Musical Junior. So, yeah, it opens Friday. So we're we're uh, in, the, uh, in the thick of it right now. Uh, so it will be... It's going to be a good show. It's fun. It's it's a lot of just fun with the kids. You know, their kids are having a good time. The lights are going to be fun. I think everybody's going to be excited. So, what age group is this? This is uh, uh, what is it? Nine? No, ten to uh, eighteen. Okay, so junior high kids to high school kids, basically. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so okay, the jun- okay. the the junior branded scripts as we get, they are for ages uh, below eight, 18 and below so we can we could put five-year-olds in it if we wanted to but it'd kind of be weird to have like you know 15 year old and a five-year-old in the same play i mean it that still is kind of weird having like we have 10 year olds and they're playing high schoolers but it's you know it's theater it's willing suspension of disbelief <laughs> so it's it's a good show nonetheless <laughs> hey listen the real high school musical on disney channel had what 30 year olds playing 16 mm-hmm. year olds so i think you're fine i think the age yes, gap yes. is appropriate no, it's, it's not a big deal nobody's gonna care it's it's yeah. uh 
<laughs> it's just very funny because you know the the height discrepancies between the ten year olds and the you know we have a I think a seventeen or eighteen year old and it's just like okay, one uh, <laughs> is like uh, four foot one and the other is like five foot nine, and so it's just <laughs> like it's a big gap. But That's either funny. way, uh, get your head in the game, I guess. Puka, he's That's wearing one of the Troy's better songs wearing his, yeah, he's wearing his puka shell necklace and he's you know he's got it all. <laughs> oh man, the style at that time. So good. Hey, so you know I was a big fan of Disney Infinity, right? Oh, yeah. For a really long time. Uh-huh. Uh, my kids have recently gotten back into the game. And so they're they're going through all of the playsets, they're trying to hundred percent everything in the game, right? And um I didn't want to show you this, Mel, because, you know, I didn't know how you were going to feel, but uh, so I have this character here. Oh, yeah. Whoa. But her head fell Whoa. off. So oh. poor Maleficent. <laughs> and this, sadly, this is one of the worst parts of the Disney Infinity characters is that some of them... In the mold, I guess, they didn't take into consideration that the necks were going to be super small or arms or legs. Like, Helen broke multiple times. I think Violet's head fell off at one point because it was way too big for the tiny, like, neck. It it looked like a toothpick holding up that big old bobblehead of hers. So, uh, yeah, sadly, Maleficent's head has fallen off. And I'm trying to figure out how to attach it. I know that I can use like a decent epoxy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to probably open up a staple and I'm going to put it inside to kind of add like a little bit of, of a brace before mm-hmm. I glue it down so that it, it has maybe a couple of staples or something. That'll but, work. Yeah. This this is sadly the one thing um, that I hated about the Disney Infinity characters that that some of them were just kind of flimsy. They fit the character, but when you look at a character like Sully that was just all beef, you know, they, that was never going to break. Hulkbuster, never going to break. But stuff like this broke all the time, and it, it was just sad. So It's when they get excited and just want to make that design, and it happens. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because now that they've been going through the characters – I I realized that a lot of the models in Speedstorm really, really do look like the Infinity characters. Like before, it was just kind of like this visual connection that I made when I was playing the game. Uh-huh. But now that I actually look at the models, they really, really look like the Infinity models. If Gameloft somehow got access to all of these characters that existed, on top of the characters that were never released when Infinity was canceled they got all sorts of characters they can pull from now. And now there's people making correlations between Speedstorm and Dreamlight Valley because they're saying that, uh, you know how they they talked about how in the summer we're going to have a princess racing into the valley. And so Belle has been a part of every piece of marketing for Dreamlight Valley, but she's not there yet. But Belle is one of the racers in Speedstorm. They're like, well, she's in Speedstorm, so that means she's going to be in Dreamlight Valley. And Confirmed. in my head, I'm thinking, as <laughs> as rad as that would be, I don't think they're going to cross like games like that. I think they're going to keep them independent from each other. Unless, unless they do decide to do it, 
and it turns out to be Vanellope. That's the racer that comes into the valley this summer. And if you get the Vanellope or unlock Vanellope and you happen to have a Game Loft account, it also unlocks it in Speedstorm or something like that. Like, I don't know. That would actually be pretty good. Right? Yeah. Maybe there is a good opportunity for them to cross-platform it. But considering that Dreamlight Valley has a bunch of... Oh, did I tell you that I sold all my pumpkins finally? Oh. Dude. Yeah, okay, okay, so so I'll get into that in a moment. (laughs) Okay, so I'll get into that in a moment. But considering that Dreamlight Valley has like the coins and the the moonstones, right, Mm -hmm. as currency, and Speedstorm has 374 ways to pay for things, it's just going to overcomplicate things. Uh, They really don't have that many ways. They have like four ways to pay, but still, it it can get confusing when you first play the game. They have uh, regular coins. They have coins that you get as part of like the season pass thing that they have going on there's racer shards there's crew member shards there's all sorts of weird currencies in in speedstorm so um i think once we're playing oh so good news i'm getting closer and closer to doing the twitch thing for the gaming stuff so nice. more Yay. info is coming up on that really soon I uh, haven't decided if I'm doing Speedstorm or if we're going to go super cozy and just kick it off with uh, Dreamlight Valley just to kind of ease into the whole thing. But, you know, the, everything is up for grabs right now. We have so many games to play. If we're going to be doing it, I don't think we have to limit it to just the Disney games. You know, I have Hogwarts Legacy that I've been playing. Um, we have all sorts of other stuff. So anyway, more on that coming soon, very, very soon. Um, pretty excited about that. So back to Dreamlight Valley. I have a complaint before I tell you about the pumpkin thing. Okay. They did this whole parks thing, right? Like, oh, right. you get 300 and blah, 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 and this and this. And I, first of all, I want to, I guess, apologize to the community for not thinking that we would reach any of these goals because you were right, Andrew. <laughs> we reached the goals, and apparently we did it in record time. And uh, we were talking about this on Discord. I think Albert was the one that brought it, uh, posted posted about it. Is that we got um, a teapot that matches the Mad Tea Party, and we don't even have the teapot yet. It's coming in like update five, right? Um, and then they gave us moonstones. Woo-hoo. So, first of all, thoughts on what this grand prize was at the end that they were really pushing this like secret park's prize or whatever (laughs) um you know when you go from like really positive and then the more you think about it you're like gosh this is more negative 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 this is not positive at all at the end so and um when we were talking about this um i at first i was like oh you know what i'm kind of grateful that we have this we got something whatever and then the more I thought about it, I'm like, wait a minute. I could get 500 in like, what, a few days if I wanted to look for mm-hmm. the chest? And yeah. then I got upset. I was like, wait a minute. This is, a no- this is nothing. This doesn't buy us anything. And then I got mad. And I was like, all right, I'm with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what it seems to me, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably making things up. But... The way it kind of is laid out and how it was marketed, like secret, whatever, 
I have a feeling like they're like, okay, we're going to make this thing. We're going to make the monorail and we're going to make it. And then they ran out of time and didn't finish it in time. So they're like, okay, what do we have that we can just like give them? Oh, well, we already have the model of the tea, like the, the mad tea party teapot. I just make it small. And okay, we'll put that over there. That's their prize. 500 moonstones in this thing. And then maybe they'll release the monorail in a future update or something, because it really seems like that's what we were getting was the monorail with the secret shadows and all this stuff. And just, you know, Disney parks this and they were, you know, it, it was all kind of leading towards some sort of big something. And then it was a teapot. So, yeah, I think in my uh, like conspiracy theory brain or whatever, they uh, ran out of time on on modeling the thing or couldn't figure it out right or whatever. I don't know. And so we ended up with teapot. Yeah, I you know, I'm inclined to agree with you on this one because I mean, you pointed out that in the original artwork, they had the shadow of what looked like the monorail in the background. And yeah. so there's always these like Easter eggs, right? There's these little mm. hidden things that, you know, make us excited about what's coming and what's not. And so uh, I got excited because when you pointed it out, I was like, oh my God, that does look like the monorail. Like we're getting the monorail. This is so cool. But when I saw the wheel of death, I mean, uh, Mickey's fun wheel mm-hmm. uh, or the Pixar pal around, uh, and then I saw the teacups and I saw the Dumbo attraction. They look super cool, but I there's a part of me that feels there's a detriment to not giving you the ability to board the attraction and actually yes. like enjoy it, right? The fact that it's yep. just a decoration kind of works against it. And then I thought about it and and I felt, wait a second, these characters are pretty large. There would have to be some like weird Disney magic and perspective that would have to happen so that when they walked into the attraction, they kind of shrunk down to the size that's appropriate for it or mm. else it would look kind of funky. Right. Right. So yeah. I'm, but it's a game. It's Streamlight Valley. They could do whatever they want with it, basically. Yes. And so I'm inclined to agree that for the monorail, if that truly was the prize, I do think that they ran out of time or they couldn't get the dynamics to function or maybe they couldn't figure out how to get it to lay in a certain place because it would Mm -hmm. take over other attractions or maybe it clipped into other things. And who knows, right? It could be a a bunch of different things that, that happen. But honestly, the more that I thought about it, because this was the Disney 100 celebration, I honestly began to think that it wasn't even the monorail. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be the partner statue that they promised us last September. Uh-oh. Because if you remember, on Discord, I had posted the concept art of the uh, partner statue that was coming according to them, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, it was a really vague post. They said it's going to be coming sometime next year. And I figured, okay, well, what a better time to drop this than during the disney 100 celebration star path Mm -hmm. and then we got nothing we got these moonstones and i mean i get it the devs don't have to give us anything these are just like fun little things and it it is what it is i don't want to like seem ungrateful this definitely seems like one of those situations where as a community we read a little too much into the background and we just kind of imagined what it was you know uh-huh. we wanted to wish this into into you know reality but 
I think we're closer to what Andrew is saying. I think they just couldn't get something to work. They ran out of time and they were like, oh, damn. Uh, we thought this was going to take another month or so. And so, oh, well, it is what it is. I'm I'm there with you. I have a slight bone to pick with the team. I appreciate everything they've done. I'm sad that the Mad Tea Party ride doesn't even play it's the music. That's like the oh, one yeah. iconic thing is the unbirthday song. And it's like, yeah. oh, <laughs> I had it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But also, ooh, okay. I'm going to be a little negative again. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> so the small world columns, adorable. I have like four because they're just, it's just cute. But they just released in the premium shop the exact same thing, but in color. As if you mm-hmm. were to see it in Tokyo, I believe, or Hong Kong. Uh, Yeah. So... It's like, why? <laughs> why? That's, that's because not... moonstones, Mel. Moonstones. <laughs> and I bought it. I bought Me the too. color no. ones. And I, I totally have the white ones. I, I bought refuse. it. I refuse. Because you buy one and then you go to Scrooge and then you buy 11 more or yeah. 20 more. I have Lay five. All up as a wall, right? Yeah. You have your yes. own version of the attraction. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you spin them one each way. So... I mean, I have five Dumbos for no good reason. I just bought them, <laughs> and I have five fun wheels. Like, I bought, I think, like a hundred trash cans. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I bought yeah. so many. I'm like, I have to have them. <laughs> yeah, I have an insane amount of the balloons, the trash cans. I only have twelve of the "It's a Small World" columns. I have well, I have twelve of each color. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I only have one Dumbo, one teacup, and one. Uh, wheel of death but you know i sorry i didn't play along with the laying out the 800 uh, attractions for that one well no i just have them i don't know if i actually put them out i just have them in storage i like to have things (laughs) gotcha you know the storage is getting i'm starting to get angry like every time i go into scrooge's shop now Mm -hmm. i have to talk to scrooge and say i want to buy something and go into the furniture and see if i already have it before I buy it so that I don't end up with more because there's like beds and certain light fixtures that I have like 40 of, you know, and for some odd reason, I, because I just kind of swoop in and just buy everything and don't give it a second thought. I have a lot of certain things. As a matter of fact, I have like over 300 wooden chests right now that I have to figure out what I'm going to do with because like I said earlier, I sold my pumpkins uh, I'm yeah. preparing a, I'm preparing the video. <laughs> I'm preparing the video of selling the pumpkins. Do you guys want to guess how long it took to get the whole thing done? Crashes uh, and all. Uh, f- six and a half hours. Oh wow! Wow! You wow. damn near nailed it, dude. It was close <laughs> to seven hours. Wow. It was close to seven hours to sell everything. Uh, what I ended up having to do was. I moved my house right in front of Goofy's stall in the meadow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, I literally, so I would walk out of the house and then I would talk to Goofy, walk back in, get more. Uh, there's a couple things that came out of this exercise. One, it was ridiculously dumb for me to do it, but fun. Two, I really wish they would allow us to move chests 
within floors of your own house mm-hmm. because there's certain things that I like those pumpkins would have been so much more easily accessible if I could just move all of the chests to the first floor and unload them from there. Because every time I had to go walk in, go up to the floor that I had them, walk into the room, walk out or take them out, walk out of the room, or go down the elevator again, walk out of the house, and it just turned into this like thing. And Mm -hmm. every time I would sell the pumpkins or, or go back into the house for more, the game would always slow down a tiny bit. And every time that would happen, I would get scared that it was going to crash. And it did crash a couple of times. Uh, once right in the middle of doing, uh, of selling the stuff. And then oh. once it crashed just as I was wrapping up one of the videos. Because I decided, well, after I did the first one and realized that after an hour, I wasn't going to get everything done in one sitting. I decided to break it up into multiple videos that... I'm just going to play at like four speed or something like that and just do some clever editing to try to compress it into one single video later. But uh, will I do this again? Nah. (laughs) Nah. I'm good. I'm good. I mean, for those that want to calculate it, you can calculate three rooms worth of chests of pumpkins. But I'll leave it up to the video if you want to check that out so you can see how much I made at the end and whether or not you feel it was worth it. Uh, for me to be collecting pumpkins for the last X amount of months to do this. I'm so glad that I didn't go with the making them pumpkin puffs. <laughs> right? that was just <laughs> going to be insane. I yep. don't think I would have been able to take it. Uh, well, let's move on to some park stuff. Uh, but before we do, Mel, talk a little bit about this fun video that you sent to us because... I mean, there was so many good aspects. You sent us two videos, and there were so many good aspects of them. Talk about these videos. Okay, so I was just scrolling on different social medias and just looking for different things, just trying to pass time, right? On uh, Imager, I just happened to see a video, and it's two ladies, and they have these electric instruments, which, one, look cool. I put my volume on I'm like oh my gosh I I know this too I'm like this is crazy so what they're playing is they're playing the X-Men theme and it's so cool with with how not one how they're how it's presented and with the instruments that they're using um and of course I was like oh this is really really cool I gotta send this to you guys because who doesn't love the X-Men I mean who doesn't know about it and who doesn't love the theme? And so I dug a little bit more and, um, oh, I should have said, <laughs> the X-Men theme is actually these two ladies, um, Mia Asano and Tina, I want to say Tina Go. If I mispronounce that, I apologize. Um, they are the two amazing musicians who created this theme and, or their version of the theme. And I dug a little bit more into this and found out that Tina recently toured with Hans Zimmer. And it's so cool because this is like maybe about four years ago. And I, there was another video that talks about how she was discovered. And she just did a video. She posted it online. And 
she got a call from one of his assistants. And his <laughs> his assistant's like, hey, we liked your video. We're, we're, I'm Hans Zimmer's assistant. He would like to see you. Are you available? And she's like, who? Okay, <laughs> sure. Let's meet up. Yeah, you know, cool. And she's on the tour with him. And the, the other video that I sent over is the pirate medley, which ugh, I, another thing that's like so good. And she's out there with her cello and she's just rocking out to it. And um, it was just really cool to find and I had to share it. Um, their song isn't available yet to listen to. It's on pre-save if on Spotify. Um, I'm pretty sure it's on everybody else, but right now it's just on Spotify as I just, you know, what I've seen. Um, the song should be released by the 19th. So it's like a few days, actually another week or so. But um, yeah, I thought everybody would get a kick out of this because it was just really cool. It was, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. When you when you asked earlier, like, who doesn't like the X-Men theme? Like, in my head, I was thinking people that hate fun don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Because it is a rad theme. Like it, is. it takes, I you hear it, and I'm telling you that time that they played that little clip on the on Miss Marvel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Come on now, just right. Oh, ah, we need oh, the mutants man. in the MCU. In, the, yeah. <laughs> in, in that the, the the pirates video, um, it was uh, it was very cool. Uh, I felt bad for the musicians because their lighting designer must have not been uh, very nice to them. I worked with musicians a lot and done a lot of like, you know, symphony orchestra, things like that. And one thing I've learned is musicians typically don't like lights blasting in their face, oh. um, like from below. And the first like five minutes of it, they're just like orange flashing lights. Like they'll cut to like somebody playing a trombone or whatever and they're just like orange 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 it's it's just like <laughs> right in their face i mean these these musicians are pros and i'm sure they had rehearsal with the lights and stuff but i thought it was very funny that they the lighting designer made use of just lighting up the musicians as like set pieces and like <laughs> i don't know there was like flashes that were not on the beat so i'm sure that was not helpful to them trying to play music with, uh, you know, on beat in time. Uh, so uh, <laughs> just you know, things that I notice because that's what I do. So it's it's a lot of people be like, oh, whatever, you know, it looks cool. And it does look cool. Same. But, I would be like that, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like, <laughs> I, don't I don't know. <laughs> Listen, if I was playing, if I had the choice of having lights completely distract me flashing me in the face while i was trying to concentrate on something i would totally have them flash lights in my face like why would i want to concentrate on the thing that i'm performing yeah trying to <laughs> right. read the music on the stand while exactly it's strobing in your face i, I mean know. i you know it's it's just stuff that i've kind of I've done before, and then I get yelled at. They're like, can you not do this? And I'm like, okay, I guess <laughs> I won't do this anymore, or whatever. So I also like, there was like a man playing like a little piccolo or something, <laughs> and he had a big old Captain Crunch hat on, and I thought he it was did. funny. <laughs> I kind of want one, to be honest. We should all get Captain Crunch hats. 
Yeah, I we'll want one. Captain Crunch Month. <laughs> I want to do that. You know Captain Crunch's full name? Uh, Horatio something, right? Magellan, yeah. Horatio, Horatio Magellan, Magellan Crunch. <laughs> Wait, for reals? <laughs> yeah. Today I learned. I couldn't remember the middle name. I knew it was Horatio, <laughs> but I couldn't. I had to look it up because I couldn't remember his middle name, but it's Magellan. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, those were good videos. We will post them over on Discord. Well, we'll post the Pirates one on Discord. Can you embed the the imager video? Yeah. Oh, if not, we can at what? least link to it, right? You could, well, you could download Worst it. Worst case, we'll just link to it. We'll figure yeah. it out. It's super cool. Yeah, we'll figure it out. The point is, we'll put links to them over on Discord if you want to check those out. Uh, anytime I see somebody play an electric guitar like that or an electric violin, damn, it sounds right? so freaking good. And they knocked this one out of the park. It's such a good rendition of the song. If you're an X-Men fan, you're totally going to enjoy this. So check those out once yeah. we post them. The Pirates one also had like a guy playing a twelve-string electric guitar, and they like so good an man. accordion man that yeah. was like trying to steal the show. I'm like, listen, accordion man, we're all here to see this cello lady who's up front and center, and he's like waltzing in, and he's like, look at me, I've got the accordion, and you don't even hear the accordion. I don't even know they had it on. He was just kind of like squeezing his little squeeze box, going across the stage, and all paired on his shoulder. It was uh, accordion man. I don't know. But it's hey. like, interesting. And Hans Zimmer was just show, having right? a having a blast on the piano. He looked like Jimmy Buffett. He seems like he's having a great time. <laughs> well, that's how you know. Whenever you see a musician really get into what they're doing on stage like that, uh, I, it's how you connect with people, right? Th- those are the musicians that are really passionate about the things that they do. I, I I hate to say it, but that's I think that in concert, that's why so many people connect with like Taylor Swift right now, considering that she's in concert right now. Mm-hmm. Like she gets super emotional. She connects with her audience and you know, it's one of the reasons she's so big when she's touring. So you could tell when someone's having fun on stage or when they're doing stuff that they like. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. All right. We got some other park stuff that we want to talk about before we do. I do want to remind you that this episode of Podcateers is brought to you by a fantastic group of people known as the FGP squad our podcast fairy godparents because it is their support via patreon that help make these episodes possible if you want more information on how you can become part of the fgp squad family you can head on over to podcateers.com slash fgp for more information there you will find a list of some of our top contributors a little info on what the fgp squad is all about and uh, a link to our patreon if you are interested in joining the family being a part of the FGP squad, it gets you some additional perks like access to our happy hour calls, uh, additional content that we've uploaded to Patreon, a special section of Discord, uh, discount codes, random giveaways, and more. So if you have any questions about the FGP squad, feel free to reach out to us. We'll be happy to answer any questions that you might have. And of course, to all of the members of the FGP squad, we just want to send a huge thank you for your continued support. Squad Kateers. The squad cateers. I started Kateers. working. Uh-huh. So I started working on a t-shirt that looks like a rubber stamp that says certified squad cateer. Oh, nice. <laughs> and uh, I'll put like a, I'll put a concept image. I'll probably put it up in the FGP squad section because mm-hmm. when I run tests of the shirt, I'll probably print a couple and uh, put them up for grabs for the FGP squad. Uh, because that way I can get some feedback on the shirts, which is what I've done in the past with other stuff that we've that we've sold. Uh, 
but yeah, it, I thought it was just a, a fun, quick design that we could put together. And I figure if we're going to try to make squad Kateers happen, we got to wear pink on Wednesdays, right? We yeah, got to stop just, trying to make handle fetch it and do it. happen. Yep. We're, we're make, not making fetch happen. I'm we're trying to make squad Kateers happen. happen. So yes, squad <laughs> freaking listen, Kateers. if it picks up, awesome. If it doesn't, we tried, right? That's all you can do. Hey, I'll we're run fun this with it. into the <laughs> yeah, ground. That's what I'm saying. So anyway, uh, once I get to doing some of the test prints, I will let you know. FGP squad, keep your eyes out for those posts because uh, a couple of shirts will, will be up for grabs once we do the tests. So, um, Hey, we talked about pirates. I want to talk a little bit about the haunted mansion because Mel, you sent us another interesting video <laughs> and listen. So this video that you sent us, I want to backtrack a little bit. Once you tell us what the video was, because one, I fell into a rabbit hole with this Uh-oh. video <laughs> two i almost bought a 3d printer because of these <laughs> videos so before i say any more mm-hmm. tell us what that video was okay um ooh, let's go to the very beginning then um I think we've all we've all been there. Okay, so let's say you're going to go purchase something, and in this case, it's you see the haunted mansion door and it's up for auction, and your heart you have the money to purchase it, right? You look at it and you're like, "Gosh, that's beautiful! I want to buy it more than anything." Because you know what? You love the mansion, right? And you're like, "All right, I put my my I put my uh, my bid." call it a day cool guess what i learned i won i didn't learn that i won but we're, we're getting there and so you learn that you won the the door right there's a little asterisk there because you're not getting the whole door you're only getting the part that's the inside meat and not the you're frame getting, you're getting the door not the frame yes you're just yeah. getting the rectangle that is it you are not no getting handle, anything. Nope. No nothing. nothing. Nope. Just you're a not, door yeah. slab. You're not getting the metal part that looks like a face that you know and love. You're not getting the side parts with the skulls. You're not getting any of that. So I felt so bad for Neil Patrick Harris. And because we've been there. I don't think you should feel bad for well, Neil Patrick Harris. I, I think yeah, I don't feel bad for him. <laughs> okay. I, I think okay. he's Back fine. Then, he owns the Haunted Mansion door. Okay. So let me... Let me I'll scratch that and say that I, at the <laughs> moment, I felt bad because I didn't know what was happening. You know, okay. you just do. Um, but yeah, we've been there. I've been there where I purchased something and it wasn't the exact thing. And I was like, oh, dang, I need some more stuff. So he happens to speak to someone who happens to have a 3D printer. And he's talking to him and they he just gets this little idea of oh wait a minute you have a 3d printer let's try to figure this out and let's try to see if you could 3d print a door frame and the metallic piece that goes inside that door frame oh i'm getting chills because man the the way that they go into detail of how they they go from there and how the door is made is just Oh, it's just so cool because you get to see the details and what happened, how it went through, how it's done. 
all the detail and the work. And this took about 30 days. Per, I want to say about 30 days, which is insane. But the product is just beautiful. And uh, yeah, you, in the end, you see how everything is created and how everything looks at the end. Um, but yeah, you get to see the whole frame done in my head. I'm like, I want one. <laughs> I -hmm. would like to have one. I don't got room. And then, yeah, I'm just, I've been curious to hear what you want to <laughs> say. Oh, buckle up kids. Cause <laughs> here we go. So first of all, um, one, the, the, the auction that Neil Patrick Harris bid on this door Back in 2018, Van Eaton Galleries was holding an auction. Disney, you know, it's something that they're famous for. Mm -hmm. And he paid over $172,000 for this replica, this door from the Haunted Mansion. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening was when he purchased it, he thought it was like the actual door, the door frame and all. And he was getting this thing from inside the Haunted Mansion. Turns out it was just a styrofoam slab. Yep. Wasn't even wood. It wasn't even this like fully functioning door. It was styrofoam. So wah wah wah, right? For 172 mm-hmm. plus thousand plus, that's kind of a burn. But I will say that he beat Jeff Bezos to win that. So considering Jeff Bezos, oh wow. uh, owned that, and and MPH ended up with it. Listen, I'm a Neil Patrick Harris fan. Uh, I had several opportunities to meet him at the Magic Castle uh, during events there, and I had you know a couple conversations with him. Super nice guy, you know. And so yeah. I have nothing bad to say. I'm a fan of his. So uh, for me, super cool that he ended up winning it. I know he's a huge Disney fan. I know he's a huge Haunted Mansion fan, you know. So I think it went to the right person. Do you have his cards, Hazen? I do have his cards. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> I I even I even uh, hold on. I even have his puzzle box one, which was a uh, puzzle. Which, by the way, if you like puzzles, uh, we're not sponsored by Theory Eleven or Neil Patrick Harris. But if you love we could puzzles, be. <laughs> and so, we could be though, right? Uh, if you love puzzles, Box One by Neil Patrick Harris and Theory Eleven is one of the funnest puzzle like games that I've ever done. I'm mo- like I'm several sections in, and I still haven't solved the whole thing. I haven't really had an opportunity to sit down and buckle in and really solve the rest of it. But so far, it's been super fun. Definitely recommend it. So anyway. Um, so back to the story. So he beat Jeff Bezos and haha, Jeff Bezos, sucker. Um, so now he's got this like haunted mansion door, right? And uh-huh. so Mel sends us this video and I'm like super excited because I, I basically ended up watching this at the end. I kind of got the end of the story before I, I saw anything else. And so um, the guy that, that created this, his name is Derek Young. He's a creator here in Los Angeles. He owns a company called Van Oaks Props. And so he 3D prints a lot of stuff. He has a lot of, like, his YouTube channel is full of these amazing videos on how to pull off practical effects. Like, he did a Pepper's Ghost in a jar, how to get, like, the skull to pop up from behind a tombstone. Like, if you're into special effects or if you just want to spruce up, like, I don't know, Halloween or something, check out the Van Oaks Props YouTube channel because he's got a bunch of great videos on this. 
So we watched this Neil Patrick Harris video, and he's all like, oh, yeah, the cat's out of the bag. You know, this project is from Neil Patrick Harris. And so they, ta- they tell the story of the auction, how he got the door. And so he's like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I found out about you, and I knew you were the right person to help me out with this project. So then once I saw that video, I went back, and I had to look at the other videos in the series. And like Mel says, he's walking you step by step as to how he modeled the pieces, how he researched it using images from Google to create like the frame of the door and everything and so like step by step you're going through this you know journey with him to create this piece this iconic piece from the haunted mansion and so i i watched all these videos and i had just seen the fourth video with neil patrick harris and i still watched it again i didn't even care (laughs) i felt like i had to complete the series again and at the end of that video i was online searching for a 3D printer. I came ridiculously close to buying a 3D printer because the idea was one, I can't print a door that large. I don't have a place to put it. The way that our house is set up, I don't even have the area around the existing doors to place something like that, right? But, but, ooh, but, (laughs) have you ever seen, have you ever seen people that create like tiny sticker doors or something or like little doors which look like little magical mice doors and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. What if I created a tiny haunted mansion door to put somewhere in the house like that? Right. Yeah. Or like this random door that leads to nowhere, like behind me, or I like I don't know. Like uh, all these ideas started to pop into my head. The point is, I came super close to owning a three D printer, and if I get this three D printer soon, anyway, I feel like this is one of the projects at some point I'm going to have to tackle because this was dope. Like the door at the end was ten feet tall. It looked amazing. I was in awe. I'm hooked. I subscribe to this dude's channel. I am. I'm just like all over the stuff that he does. Andrew, I think there's tons of stuff that he puts together on his like on his YouTube channel that I think you would just eat up. Like oh yeah, yeah completely. I did a I did a cursory search on on his channel and yeah it looks uh, like lots of fantastic things to see the the door project I mean it seems like that's probably one of the biggest things he's ever accomplished you know with his printer it's printed in multiple pieces you know the I think the the largest section like one unit piece was the transom which is the metal thing that you're talking about that kind of looks like a face. I think it looks like a face with a mustache, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the transom is, you know, transom's a, a window above a door or whatever. And uh, what's interesting about the all the woodwork in the Haunted Mansion is that like most, if not all of it, is vacuum form. So it's all plastic. That's like um, injection molding style, right? It's it's the, axil- the opposite of that. So it's like they have a... a carved piece or whatever uh one done and then they take a big sheet of like hot plastic and they drop it down and then suck the air and they suck the air out of it's called vacuum forming it's a very cool process um and so that's it's i've i've been able to you know get up kind of close to some of the mansion stuff and you could touch it and it's like that's hollow that's plastic and so it's you know cool being 3d printed is it's base it's it's still plastic you know the right what's in the mansion is plastic yeah. and so what he got was plastic and it's it's uh true to form and you know that door being rubber you know who knows if all the doors in the mansion are rubber 
Like they could be because of how they, they molded them all to be the same. Or if that is one of the ones, you know, the door that breathes, that could be, you know, a replacement one or whatever. They're a test one that they did for that door because that one has to be able to flex and things like that. So who knows what that one specifically was used for? I could confirm that those door, the doors in the hallway are rubber. Oh, okay. So yeah. they all are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's just okay. that's how they used it to make it all, you know, in the 60s, they, were, they only had so much technology. They didn't have CNC routers where you could take a slab of wood in and, uh, you know, cut a bunch of doors to all look the same. They just probably uh, had a mold, and then this was probably, you know, uh, liquid foam or whatever that they then poured into a, a door mold and and got what they uh, ended up with and yeah you know, it, it's funny uh i did a production of uh, the adams family and that has a front door in it and i i asked my scenic painter to paint the door to look like the haunted mansion doors so <laughs> in our production of adams family we had a haunted mansion door i thought it was very fun that's cool uh well i mean he does have the haunted mansion door carving like that's up at the top for sale on etsy like the Mm -hmm. the stl file is for sale for like five dollars on his website he does have a couple of other items for sale but he doesn't have any of that stuff he has like this endor bunker buster 3d model and a haunted mansion 3d like the the changing portrait uh so he's got a couple of different things you can download but i'm hoping that he sells the door frame because like I said, if I'm, I'm saying if like, it's not going to happen when I get a 3d <laughs> printer at this point, uh, this right. is definitely going to be one of the projects that I think I want, I want to tackle. I'll probably make a mini door and prop it mm-hmm. up somewhere because I just think it'll look cool to have this like phantom tiny door that goes to nowhere. Uh, but man, this project, I just, I don't know. I watch people create stuff with their 3d printers and I, I'm like, ah, I, like there's so many things that I feel like I've wanted to make and not even like cool gadgets or like, I don't know, an Iron Man suit or Hulkbuster suit. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, like practical things, right? Like I have mm-hmm. this old train set from like the, the late seventies where there's a couple of parts that broke off. And so it doesn't move on the track anymore. And I feel like if I had a 3D printer, I could easily replicate the parts in a 3D program and just print them out and fix the train so that it works, right? It's like mm-hmm. a train that just goes under the Christmas tree and it just hasn't worked for a really long time. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of practical things and they're stacking up like reason 987 uh, for getting a 3D printer at this point. Mm-hmm. So, anyway... I thought that was such a rat story. Uh, I I want this store. So, whew, yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Neil Patrick Harris. You now have a frame to go with that foam door. And if yes. you don't want that foam door, let me know. I mean, I, I will figure out where to put that. You know, I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, we're going to hop over to Disney Plus for a moment and talk about something cool that was recently added. You know, we've always had options for different languages, either dubbing or subtitles and stuff like that. And that's pretty common in services, right? Netflix has it, Hulu has it, Disney Plus has it. Like, it's a pretty common thing. Uh, They don't always function very well. Sometimes you get, like, weird translations and you get the wrong words and stuff. But, hey, 
you know, nonetheless, it's there to help you. But Ant-Man kind of made history, I think. I want to call it that. I, I want to call it making history. Because uh, back in April, uh, ahead of National American Sign Language Day on April 15th, Disney Plus released Ant-Man uh, with an ASL option. When you put it on, you see a, a person on the bottom just signing the film. Oh, yeah. really? And I... I thought that was the coolest thing ever. It totally, totally was. It was it, and it didn't. It didn't block the view. It didn't do any of that. It's so. Oh, it's just so cool because these. When you do that, it's different than caption because you get to see their face, like their reactions and how they would feel, how they would. Um, there's different ways on how you would set your, you know, your face to certain questions, different things like that. So I thought that was cool. I love, I love ASL interpreters, like especially um, as just at Disneyland, like when they have like performances or parades, like it's so much fun to see them because you, at the time I didn't know much, but you, you, you still feel that, like how their emotions are and stuff and how they're trying to interpret everything. So I really, I want to go see that movie again and see it with the interpretation just to, just to see it all. So that was pretty cool and exciting to know. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure when they're going to add this option to other films mm -hmm. uh, or if they've already started. This is uh, this happened a couple of weeks ago as of the posting of this episode. But I mean, hey, it's a start. Right. Yeah. I don't know if this is something that other services do. I know we talked about the closed captioning and, you know, the subtitles in different languages or, or the overdubbing. Um, but I don't think anyone else has done this. If anybody else has, please let me know. Uh, so we could talk about it in an upcoming episode, but I just thought this was one of the cooler features of Disney Plus. Like the app may be broken and it may have all sorts of problems, but this is a cool feature. Good on you, Disney. Yeah, and it's 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 cool too that like I was expecting. I just looked it up because I hadn't seen it before. It's like they put the person in front of green screen, so all you see is the person. They're not like in a box or anything. So it takes up like the least amount of screen possible. So the person watching can, you know, get the, their uh, information and still be able to watch the film. So it's, yeah. it, I think this is a great technology that, uh, you know, that seems like it should have already been around. Like, I mean, I guess closed captioning exists, but I would assume, you know, I am not deaf and I do not understand ASL very well. Um, so, uh, I don't know, but I'm assuming that it's it's easier uh, to like uh, understand ASL than like read a bunch of captions. I think they can probably, I would assume, go faster. Yeah. That's why this option exists. I don't know. Uh, maybe a deaf person can uh, <laughs> let us know because I do not know uh, much of anything about ASL. But um, I'm glad that uh, the option exists, and hopefully they, uh, you know, release this for more films. You know, start with the classics. I don't know. Start with whatever you want. Just put put some star the pop whatever's popular. Yeah, maybe some movies. Do more of it, right? <laughs> Just do it more. That's what, yeah. that's basically what it boils down to. So, great new option in Disney Plus. Back to the parks. This actually happened the day after we released or we recorded the last episode because last week we kind of flipped the release dates for Quizneyland and for Podcateers, 
But the day after we recorded, Disney uh, announced something pretty special, actually. You know, many Disney fans that, you know, are really into park history and really into the details of the park know about the Main Street windows. And the Main Street windows, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the honor that it is to receive a Main Street window uh, to to honor your contributions to the park and whether it was more special to get a window or become a Disney legend. And ultimately, I think we landed on it's a lot more prestigious to get a window because a lot of people are legends, but not all legends have a window, right? So you have to really contribute something special to the park in order to get that window. Uh, and the windows have become... Uh, something that you see in all Disney parks around the world at this point. But it started on on Main Street here at Disneyland, and it's a tradition that ranges all the way back to the opening day of the park when Walt and Roy decided to honor their dad. They gave their dad a window. Uh, It says Elias Disney, contractor established 1895. Uh, that kind of kicked off this tradition of honoring people that were special to the Disney company. Uh, and uh, this last week, Disney broke tradition uh, because for the first time ever, they gave a window to an organization versus a person. Uh, they, did, they did put up three brand new windows, two people, uh, which also broke tradition, by the way, and I'll talk about it in a, in a moment. But the third window belongs to a nonprofit that many of you may be familiar with, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. The Main Street windows have always been reserved for Imagineers or for uh, people that have contributed to the company in some way or form, uh, you know, whether they help with the construction or, you know, their service, uh, like music, you know, like the Sherman Brothers have windows. Artists like Mark Davis and Alice Davis have windows. Bob Gurr has a window. Tony Baxter has a window. You know, so any Imagineer or any cast member that has significantly contributed uh, in really impactful ways has a window on Main Street. So uh, it was kind of historic for Disney to break that tradition by granting these three windows. Uh, and before I talk about the two other windows for uh, the two people that they honored additionally, your thoughts on on Disney granting this Make-A-Wish window? Very sweet. Very, very sweet. Um, oh, I, I got... <laughs> I shouldn't have read into the, I went to a rabbit hole learning <laughs> about the two that you're about to speak about. And it's like, oh man, wait, wait. I was like, nope, nope. Can't be crying right now. <laughs> but it's really, really sweet. And yeah, you mentioned it's basically just Imagineers that have these windows. But Make-A-Wish has done something for so long for so many kids that it deserves one. And especially where it's located is just perfect like I don't know if they save those windows we don't know that but it just worked out perfectly even if they planned them out later on or you know they they figured it out it's really really sweet yeah so go Disney on that and yeah it's just it's just really sweet (laughs) I'm gonna stop (laughs) yeah it's a break of tradition is is I think 
I think they did it uh, for a good cause, you know, bringing awareness to to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Disney has been partnered with the Make-A-Wish Foundation for quite a long time now and uh, uh, illnesses uh, uncured or what, however Make-A-Wish does their thing. You know, a lot of people uh, use their wishes to go to Disneyland, Disney World, etc. So it's only fitting that uh, they kind of, I don't know what to say, <laughs> have, you know, there, there's a partnership there and it seems like it's going to be going on for a while. So um, uh, it was done very tastefully and I think it's a, a good reason to break tradition. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well said. Uh, you know, if they are going to do that, I think, like you said, this was a perfect reason to do it. You know, as you mentioned, Disney has been working with the Make-A-Wish Foundation since 1981. And as a matter of fact, the very first wish that was ever granted at Disneyland was in 1981. One of the windows was created in honor of the first person that received the wish at Disneyland. Uh, his name was uh, Frank Salazar. And Frank's window says, uh, Frank's nickname was Bopsy. And so the window says, Disney Magical Wishmaker Society founder, Frank Bopsy Salazar. Uh, so I thought that was just a super special way, you know, to commemorate the fact that he was the first person that ever got a wish granted from the Make-A-Wish Foundation and that it was at Disneyland. The second person that they honored was Chris Grecius. And Chris Grecius was actually the reason the Make-A-Wish Foundation was even created in the first place. Uh, I, I want to say it was back in 1979, back in... in late 70s I want to say I don't remember the exact date but uh, I think he was suffering from leukemia uh, he wanted to be a police officer uh, he passed away but you know in honor of the Make-A-Wish Foundation becoming this nonprofit organization uh, Disney also commemorated him uh, with a window that reads special agent department of hopes and dreams enforcement Chris Grecius right in the middle of those two there is the actual make a wish foundation window the tagline for that one reads where there's a wish there's a way i was watching the celebration from the park uh window dedications are just really special times in the park they don't happen very often so if you ever have an opportunity to attend one uh they don't always advertise them to the public but if you happen to be there or happen to know that one is happening it's a very special thing i've had an opportunity to attend a couple of them and you know if you're a huge disney fan prepare to get teary-eyed that's all i'm gonna say because they are emotional celebrations of anyone that they are honoring uh and this was you know no exception uh, it was funny because they had, like, trumpet fanfare and everything. Uh, at one point, they were introducing Josh Tomorrow, and he wasn't coming up, and Ken Potrock jumps in, and he starts, like, oh, yeah, you know, I just want to quickly, you know, honor this person and this person. And he's like, and here's Josh Tomorrow. And mm -hmm. the trumpet was, like, this really long... Like and so they had to live through it a couple times. And by the time Josh got up there, it they start playing the trumpet and it was just as long as the last time. And he starts kind of bobbing his head and he's like kind of laughing, like, okay, we gotta wait for this to happen again. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um anyway, 
super, super uh, fun way to commemorate the Make-A-Wish Foundation and two very special people uh, for that organization. And uh, if you ever want to take a quick glimpse at the windows, they are in what is now considered the Wish Lounge at Disneyland. That is right next to the First Aid Building. Uh, The First Aid Building, uh, the easiest way to find it is go find the corn dog cart and look to the right. Yeah, (laughs) That's the best way I can tell you where it is. If you know where the corn dog cart is, you know where this building is. Um, So uh, super cool. Uh, when I saw the announcement, I just thought it was a really great way to to celebrate that. Uh, okay. I think it's time to start to wrap up this episode with a few more great moments from a great man named Mr. Andrew. Oh, so nice of you to say. I, I'll take it where <laughs> I can get it. Uh, so the years this year, this week, we're going over 1959 and 1960. Here, great moments with Mr. Andrew. So let's get uh, going. 1959, four films. On January 29th, Disney premieres Sleeping Beauty at the Fox Wilshire Theater in Los Angeles. It was filmed and released in widescreen Technorama 70. The film costs $6 million to make and earns only $5 million at theaters. On March 19th, Disney releases the live-action feature film The Shaggy Dog. It costs $1 million to make and is Disney's first live-action comedy. It earns between $8 and $12 million in theaters. On April 6th, the Academy Awards an Oscar to the film Grand Canyon, the film Ama Girls, and the film White Wilderness. On June 24th, Disney premieres a live-action feature film Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Uh, in Dublin, Ireland. It is released generally in the U.S. two days later. And the Disney company buys uh, the 708-acre Golden Oak Ranch to use as a filming location. Uh, And on November 10th, Disney releases the stop-motion animated short film Noah's Ark, uh, along with the live-action feature film Third Man on the Mountain. For TV in 1959... Uh, The ABC TV network executives and Walt Disney cannot agree on a money issue for Zorro, the TV series, so Walt discontinues production of the show. On June 15th, the live uh, 90-minute TV special Disneyland 59 airs, introducing new attraction to Disneyland, uh, the submarine voyage, Matterhorn, bobsleds, monorail, motorboat cruise, and an enlarged Autopia. On September 24th, ABC airs the last episode of the Disney-produced Zorro. Uh, 78 episodes were produced. And on September 25th, uh, ABC airs the last episode of the Mickey Mouse Club. For Disneyland in 1959, uh, construction work begins on the Matterhorn bobsleds. By June 6th, the submarine voyage attraction opens. It costs $2.5 million to create. This is the first e-ticket attraction at Disneyland. On June 17th, the Disneyland Alweg monorail system begins operation in Tomorrowland. Uh, U.S. Vice President Richard Nixon helps with the dedication. Uh, the same day, the Matterhorn bobsleds opens. Uh, it is the first thrill ride at Disneyland and is the first ride in the world to use the cylindrical rails and urethane wheels. Uh, the mountain is 147 feet high, a 1/100th scale uh, of the real Matterhorn and uses 2,175 steel girders. The final cost of the attraction is $1.5 million. The first riders are Walt and his family and uh, Richard Nixon. Also that day, the submarine voyage is officially dedicated. Uh, other things in June, the Fantasyland Autopia 
opens in Fantasyland. It's the second Autopia at Disneyland is created due to the popularity of the original Autopia. And the enlarged motorboat cruise begins operation in Fantasyland. On July 25th, uh, the number four train of Disneyland Railroad begins regular service. It is named the Ernest S. Marsh. Uh, cost of renovation was $57,000. On September 13th, the Rainbow Mountain Stagecoaches and the Conestoga Wagons close. And this year, Disney welcomes its uh, 15 millionth guest. Other notable things from 1959, Disneyland Records releases the song Tall Paul, sung by Annette Funicello. This becomes her first top 10 song. The American Humane Association awards a Patsy Award to Tonka, the horse from the film Tonka. And the Nintendo Karuda Company of Japan makes its first licensing agreement with Walt Disney Productions to produce playing cards backed with pictures of Disney characters. Woo! Bert yeah. Birthdays for <laughs> 1959, uh, March 15th, Fabio, uh, April 3rd, David Hyde Pierce, April 15th, Emma Thompson, June 11th, Hugh Laurie, June 30th, Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, July 16th, Bob Joles, I put him in there, he's a uh, voice of Sala in Indiana Jones, The Ride, uh, Temple of Forbidden Eye, uh, September 12th, 21st, Dave Coulier, September 23rd, Jason Alexander, uh, October 23rd, both Weird Al and Sam Raimi. Nice. Uh, okay, that brings us to 1960. Uh, for 1960 in film, on January 21st, three things are released. Uh, Disney releases the animated short film Goliath 2 to theaters. Uh, it is the first Disney film to be fully animated using the Xerox process for transferring pencil drawings to cells. Uh, Disney also releases the live-action short film Gala Day at Disneyland. And finally... They uh, also released the live-action feature film Toby Tyler. On February 24th, Disney's live-action feature film uh, Kidnapped is released to select theaters. On April 27th, Disney releases the 17th and final People and Places film, uh, The Danube. On May 19th, Disney's live-action feature film Pollyanna is released. Um, also in May, Walt Disney travels to London to visit P.L. Travers and successfully negotiates the rights to turn Mary Poppins into a movie. On August 10th, Disney releases the live-action short film The Hound That Thought He Was a Raccoon to theaters uh, with Disney's last true uh, life-adventure film Jungle Cat. On October 18th, uh, the live-action film Ten Who Dared is released. Uh, it's based on the journal of Major John Wesley Powell. And on December 23rd, Disney's live-action feature film The Swiss Family Robinson is released to theaters. It costs uh, around $5 million to make. For TV in 1960, uh, in June, Walt Disney Productions buys ABC's one-third interest in Disneyland for $7.5 million and is released from their TV contract. ABC cancels Zorro and the Mickey Mouse Club, and Disney makes new television agreements with NBC for 25 shows per year uh, for three years uh, for $5 million per year. The show will be called Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color. For 1960, for uh, in 1960 for Disneyland uh, in March, the film America the Beautiful opens in the Circarama USA Theater in Tomorrowland. In April, the electric cars begin operating on Main Street. On May 28th, the Mine Train Through Nature's Wonderland attraction opens in Frontierland. Woo. The attraction costs $1.8 million to build. It includes early technology leading to audio animatronics with 200 mechanical moving animals. On June 10th, the Rainbow Ridge Pack Mules ride at Disneyland reopens as Pack Mules through Nature's Wonderland. 
In September, the Soviet premier Nikita Khrushchev is refused entry to Disneyland due to security concerns. Um, and in December, the Skull Rock and Pirate's Cove are completed around the pirate ship restaurant in Fantasyland. Also this year, Disney welcomes its 20 millionth guest, and Disneyland Incorporated becomes a wholly owned subsidiary of Walt Disney Productions. Uh, other notable events in 1960, the Academy Awards an Oscar to Ub Iwerks for the design of an optical printer for special effects. The King of Siam bestows Walt Disney with the Most Noble Order of the Crown. Disney receives the Thomas Edison Foundation Award for the film Eyes in Outer Space. Disney stages the ceremonies for the Winter Olympics in Squaw Valley. The American Humane Society awards a Patsy Award to Shaggy, the dog from the film The Shaggy Dog. Uh, Walt hires the songwriting team of Richard and Robert Sherman. The Duckster Award is created and used to honor those who have been in service to the Walt Disney Company. And Walt receives an honorary diploma from his high school in Marceline, Missouri, and dedicates an elementary school in his name. Birthdays in 1960, February 18th, Tony and Salmo. March 13th, Joe Ranf. Uh, April 14th, Brad Garrett. July 14th, Jane Lynch. August 10th, Antonio Banderas. August 21st, <laughs> August 21st, <laughs> I can't talk, I'm so close to the end. August 21st, Bob Chapek. Uh, October 24th, B.D. Wong. November 7th, RuPaul. November 11th, Stanley Tucci. And December 26th, Tamira Morrison. And that's it. My voice is all going out. Uh, that was great moments with me, Mr. Andrew, as I guzzle some water down. Good job. Yay. <laughs> you pulled through. <laughs> and it was like oh, half the 19... length of the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> 1959, the year most people will remember as the year Richard Nixon was kidnapped at Disneyland. Oh. Yeah, Bob Gurr kidnapped him. <laughs> yeah. So... Quick story for you that don't know it. At the time, Vice President Richard Nixon, you know, was there for the opening of the monorail. You know, he was invited to Disneyland. Secret Service was there. He was there with his daughters. And leading up to the opening of the monorail, Bob Gurr had been working on it, and they had monorail red up. Uh, like, monorail blue, I think, was like two or three weeks behind schedule at the time. And so Bob Gurr and uh, an engineer that was helping with the monorail, his name was Conrad Deller, were working on monorail red all week prior to this because every day that they tested it, it was breaking down. And so the opening comes and Walt's like, look, Bobby, you got to be there to run monorail red. You know, we got some important stuff going on. I'm, and I'm paraphrasing. I don't know if that's what Walt said, but Bob's there opening day. Right. And he's super nervous. He doesn't know if the monorail is going to break down or if it's going to run or anything. Right. So, Walt's there. He gets on the monorail with Bob. He gets on with Richard Nixon. He gets on with, with Nixon's two daughters. But the people that don't make it on the monorail are the Secret Service. And so the doors close and Walt's like, all right, let's go. And so Bob Gurr floors it, right? Like he takes off. The monorail is now in motion. And according to uh, what Bob Gurr has talked about in the past... Apparently, the Secret Service was running after the monorail because technically they had, like, he and Walt had now kidnapped the vice president on the monorail at Disneyland. <laughs> so they were chasing them down to make sure he was okay. 
ultimately, the monorail ran just fine. He was super happy. Richard Nixon's girls were like, ah, that was so fun. Let's go again. And as Walt was saying, let's go again, Secret Service is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, whoa, whoa, slow your roll. <laughs> Not this time. So, yeah, Bob Gurren, Walt Disney kidnapped Richard Nixon at <laughs> Disneyland <laughs> that year. <laughs> oh, it's one of the funniest stories of Disneyland history that, like, always makes me laugh, no matter how many times I've heard it. So, uh, that's it. Uh, anything else before we wrap up this episode? One thing I want to say, Muppets Mayhem comes out the day this posts so on Disney+. Plus. So uh, everybody watch it because I want to make uh, sure people, like they keep making more Muppet stuff. So we have to watch it to make sure that they keep making Muppets. So everybody watch the Muppet Mayhem, Muppets Mayhem on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. I'll be watching it. It's coming out. I'm sure it's going to be great. Even if it's not, watch it so they keep making Muppet stuff. <laughs> and even if you can't it. watch it, just let it play in the background while you're exactly. working. Exactly. Yeah. All day. <laughs> just on a loop, episode one. Agreed. All right, that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Until next time, keep dreaming, keep <clears> moving <throat> forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Bye. See ya. Part of the Podcateers Network.